Hello, and welcome to the Vulnerability Junkies podcast. I'm Kevin. And I'm Jamie. On this podcast, we talk about the scary, vulnerable parts of our personal and professional growth, our identities as second-generation Asian Canadians, and talking about our feelings. What happens when you deal with an insufficiency by becoming proud of it? On today's episode, we discuss a different way to think about arrogance and how that arrogance shows up in our lives. We also completely fail to talk about our feelings, despite our best intentions. Let's get into it. And we are live. Indeed. What is going on? Hey. Happy Sunday. <laughs> Happy Sunday, Kevin. <laughs> How are you doing today, man? I'm doing all right. How are you feeling? I'm physically a little tired from walking around a whole bunch today. Feeling pretty good about progress. I just went to get a, like a body scan today. Tell me what body composition is, and it's and going in the right direction. So nice. That makes me pretty happy. So I think like energy level. I'm at like a six, but feeling pretty mentally relaxed right now. How are you? Right. Currently at maybe a six or a seven. Yeah, a little bit tired. We'll still need to fix the sleep schedule a little yep. bit. But yeah, feeling good generally. Energized enthusiastic once again excited oh yeah so supposed to use some of these emotion words right mm-hmm. yeah do you have anything to add i think i'm a little like emotionally tired too it's not just my body wants some sleep i feel like i have just been going through a lot of bustle in the last couple of days mm-hmm. a lot of, it's like a lot of like very low grade stress it's nothing no one big spiky thing but i think yeah a little bit stressed out sounds right sounds like we're coming at this from a similar place so Glad to have you here again. Yeah, always, always fun talking to you, Kevin. Ugh, feelings, compliments, <laughs> stone wall needs to come down. <laughs> but yeah, little me is saying thank you again as a nod to one of our metaphors from episode three. Yeah. What are some of your intentions going into, into the podcast for today? Great question. Working on my ability to unpack my emotions mm. and articulate them. So if the emotion is an onion, it's like being able to peel back the onion in somewhat real time in, in a live conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So emotional fluidity and being able to unpack the, your emotional state and share it in a comfortable manner. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm trying to lean in a little bit more to leading from the heart and the body in expression rather than being stuck all up in my head all the time. On top of that, I want to lean in a little bit more on Listening, I've been in a bunch of conversations recently where I've caught myself more on the rambling side, which I notice is actually not that fun for me. What I'm hearing is the desire to be more intentional yeah. actively in your mind about what it is you're trying to say. Yeah, Some of it is intentionality and some of it is specifically taking less airtime. I have seen that in most contexts, I'm quite comfortable taking up a lot of airspace. I think some of it is just building comfort and taking up less and some of it is actually just really encouraging the opportunities for other people to take up that airtime. That's so interesting in two ways for me. One is I feel like it's a common thing within Asian American culture. Usually the mode of encouragement is don't be afraid to take up more space, which I definitely feel that it's strongly tied to this insight that I'm bad at disclosure or bad at doing the storytelling part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting hearing you say that because you are also a really good listener. Thanks, Kevin. Anyway, that brings us to today's episode four. One of the themes, 
topics that has come up a few times for us now is as we think about growing as individuals, one of the common pitfalls is to become overly egotistical or arrogant. And I've spent a bit of time thinking about what this means for me, because I think actually manifests, unfortunately, in several ways in my life. And so I thought it might be interesting to discuss the nature of arrogance and confidence and ego and how all those things play together as you inevitably in your growth journey, hopefully you're making progress and you're improving and you're feeling better about yourself and getting more confident, like what that looks like, what those, what some common pitfalls are. Yeah. Maybe share some personal experiences. So I think we've got our intentions in place now. So indeed, you just ran the intro for explaining why we got onto this topic of arrogance. And I think it has interesting ties into mechanisms of motivation. But you mentioned that arrogance is in some ways a trap. And from talking to you last time, I could see that you have a pretty elaborate mental model built up around what arrogance is and how it's able to persist. So do you want to talk a little bit about the mental model you have built up of arrogance? So with arrogance, the textbook definition is whenever someone realizes that they have an exaggerated sense of their own abilities or competence or importance, it specifically refers to that gap. And I was thinking a bit about this and reading a bit about it online. And I came to the conclusion that it's not the interesting case of what arrogance means in practice, mm. because recognizing the gap in and of itself, I think is a great thing because it's literally a core part of the learning process. You at some point learn that there's a, there's a gap between where your knowledge is and what the actual better practice or where the actual truth mm -hmm. is. And the real interesting part of this is what do you do with that knowledge? Right. There's two things you can do at this point. Either you adjust your own expectations of, oh, actually, I thought it was super legit, but actually now I've met people who are even more legit and that shows me that I'm less legit and have even more growth opportunity and potential. That would be the healthier way to think about it. The other dangerous slash unhealthy way to think about it is to not want to feel that that differential right because in order to humble yourself you have to admit to yourself first that oh yeah i thought it was an eight i'm actually a five and that hurts because up until that point of you knowing you were walking around thinking you were an eight yeah that feels good and the trap is when you get sucked into that and you continue, you try to continue to believe that you are an eight, despite the knowledge that you are actually a five. And the way this works in practice is you end up becoming proud of an insufficiency by your own definition, which is a form of superiority complex. And why do these complexes exist in the first place? It's because the brain can't exist in a state where it constantly feels like it's inferior, right? If there's this truth that's slapping you in the face constantly being like, you think you're an eight, but you're actually a five and you don't do anything about it. It can't tolerate that. Therefore, it has two adaptive coping mechanisms. The more interesting case for this conversation is the superiority complex case mm. where you essentially deceive yourself into thinking that you're still as legit. Maybe a concrete example is more helpful. Sometimes in conversations with people, I'll have moments where I'm overwhelmed with a lot of thoughts and feelings and be unable to articulate them. Mm. So I view that as an insufficiency. Ideally, if you were a really good communicator, you would be able to unpack and describe all those things, communicate that to the other person. Mm -hmm. For a long time, though, I actually viewed this, and this is the whole being proud of your insufficiency thing. Mm -hmm. I viewed this as a good thing mm -hmm. because I was like, oh, wow, look at all these complex emotions that I have. They're so rich and unfathomable. <laughs>
and you would never understand them anyway. Clearly, they're so profound that I can't unpack and articulate them because I'm so sophisticated and complicated that there's no words for this. Right. Like that's, that I think is like quintessentially <laughs> arrogance, right? It's like this, you can't articulate this. This is not good. Like you want to, you should be able to do it. But because I didn't know how to like actually approach or solve the problem. So instead, my adaptation was actually, this is a great thing. I'm so smart and intelligent that, yeah, I can't do it. Yeah. So rather than acknowledging the fact that you lacked the communication skills required to express your thoughts, you became proud of the complexity of the thought and you decided that, oh, this is so complex. It must therefore be inexpressible when it turns exactly. out that, oh, no, wait, this is expressible. I'm just bad at it. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And then that's, that's recognizing the delta and it's what do you do with the delta? You can either do the healthy thing and be like, oh, actually, I should work on this. Or you cling to the insufficiency because that's the only way you can justify not changing anything is to tell yourself that what you thought was a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. It's a good thing. And it's, it's a part of you and it makes you better. That's the pernicious yeah. part of arrogance. Yeah. This reminds me of, of this really gnarly question that I got in therapy one time. So my therapist was, I don't remember what we were talking about, but he asked me about some problem I was going through. I think it was probably talking about belonging and how I described how in a lot of different contexts in life, I don't really feel like I belong. And then after listening to me for a while, he asked me this question that I think of in many different contexts, which is, how do you set up your life to perpetuate this problem? And it's a similar kind of thing you're discussing with investing or becoming proud of your insufficiencies, where something becomes so familiar that you, even if it's unpleasant, you structure your life in a way that repeatedly reinforces it. And in a similar way as something becoming dangerous when you become proud of an insufficiency, when an insecurity starts to feel like part of your identity, then it can also be really hard to let go of. And I think that you identified as someone that has a very complex inner world, whereas leaning into those identities can frequently create the repeated structures in your life that you're constantly searching for reaffirmations of your own sufficiency as a way of feeling right. Because if you can't be good, you at least want to be correct. Exactly. And the undertone that's worth highlighting in those examples is they are ways to make you feel good about yourself without having to improve anything. Yeah. Which is why they're dangerous. Because that feels good. And the deeper you get into this, the more you cling on to them. Another way to think about this is you've identified some parts that are lacking or like dead parts of you that you would really want to shed but instead of shedding them and moving on you're holding on to them and then they just they're just gonna, just gonna rot and what that looks like is when you get people who are like deep in on this they get super triggered whenever you poke at it yeah because they're hyper defensive about it, they're protective about it now because they know the longer you hold on to it the more it's gonna hurt when you know yeah it grows right it's kind of like a cancer yeah. and then you have all these other surface level symptomatic coping mechanisms that are more traditionally associated with arrogance. Like you become super cocky or I'm taking my rich inner world example, right? It's I might just start thinking that I'm just smarter and better than everyone else. And you don't understand me because you're not at my level. Things like that start to come out. And that's what this looks like as it continues to fester and if it remains unaddressed. So yeah. Anyway, all that's to say is I think this is, uh, if you compare that to the textbook definition of, oh, it's like there's a gap between someone's actual competence and what they think it is. I think this is a much more rich and deeper, more helpful understanding of what arrogance is and what the dangers are. Right. Yeah. This also seems to me probably 
more helpful in unwinding our own arrogances and that if I feel like I'm good at something and someone else tells me I'm not, even if I repeatedly bump up against evidence that I'm not, I have to examine what is the emotional driver behind me constantly wanting to reaffirm like, no, I am good at this thing. Because it, and this idea of looking for a mechanism to prove that to myself and becoming proud of the insufficiency that, that yield that is interesting. So through this whole conversation, the thing from my own life that comes to mind is my really strong propensity to want to do pretty deep research of my own on anything before I believe anything. I think that there is like a paired real skill and an insufficiency that are connected. I think that the real skill here is yes, being able to do independent research and think for yourself is really valuable. But I think that the insufficiency in some ways is I have difficulty trusting other people. And in some ways, I think maybe I have become proud of that. Whereas there is also a world in which I broadly trust other people, but I still do all my own research. And the reason I think that this serves me poorly is it means that I am unlikely to reach out for help in the first place, even from people that, that are very well informed. And it's really hard to even know who's well informed without talking to them. But because I so automatically reach for to do my own research on anything before asking even my friends that I would suspect are really well informed on the topic, that probably stunts my growth by not allowing me to leverage the excellent resources that are my friends and my family. And I hadn't really recognized that as having the same kind of flavor as this. But I think it probably does. That's deep for sure. What I'm hearing is basically you have trust issues. Mm. And I guess instead of taking that and facing it head on, it's manifested as this, I am a proud skeptic. And I take pride in my ability to diligence deeply all of these things before fully being able to believe them. Yeah. Yeah. And like this manifests like all over the place on the internet, but not just in me. But this is the canonical like anti-vaxxer throwing the phrase, do your own research over a wall and then ignoring all the mm. advice of the broader medical establishment. That is a similar kind of arrogance. Like they, they found a way of being proud of not believing the broader medical knowledge by ostensibly getting good at their own research. Although the whole research methodology definitely seems questionable. Oh man, I, mean, I feel like I'm going to see, I suspect I'm going to see this pattern everywhere now of whenever I see someone being arrogant, thinking about like, what is the insufficiency that they're now proud of? What is the shield? So there's, it seems like in each of these examples, there is the actual insufficiency and then there's the thing that's used to shield it. In my case, the actual insufficiency is I'm not going to reaching out for help or believing expertise. And then the shield is I'm good at research. So I think the, the key insight here is that they're not separate things. Mm. The shield is created from you reforming and reframing and repositioning the insufficiency itself. Right. The reason that I think they're definitely intimately related and the shield is created from the insufficiency, but I think that they're importantly separate in that there is a way of keeping the thing that you view as a shield while discarding the attachment to the insufficiency. I see what you're saying, right? Like the act can be decoupled from the mindset. There is a world where the mindset is much healthier and you continue to do the same actions. Yeah, or your set of actions expand or you use that skill that you, like the real skill that you had built up or the real perception of yourself that you built that is positive. So for instance, the perspective that you do in fact have a rich inner world, but also recognize, actually, I'm not very good at communicating it and I want to improve on that. Or then my mm -hmm. example, I do continue doing my own research, but I also actually talk to experts and believe what they're saying. And then in fact, ask them like how to 
do research better. That's cool. Yeah. What I'm hearing is I kind of use this deadwood kind of analogy before. It's yeah. This has been recognition that it's not all dead. Yeah. And there's there there are very much live good parts worth keeping. Yeah. It's just you want to make sure that you can address the dead parts and get rid of that and then keep what's solid and keep growing and improving on it. Yeah, definitely another way of saying this is that's a very common cliche is don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. There is some good in most things, but you have to recognize that it's not a monolith and that the whole thing is not good and you should get rid of the bad parts. Yeah, that kind of adds more color to the healthy path that we've been talking about as well is also give yourself kudos for getting to where you are. There's a, yeah, you definitely built some good things to get here. And now you're at the precipice of the next challenge. Yeah. What are you going to do Yeah, when you get to that precipice? You can embrace it and recognize that you have some areas of improvement. I think still the coolest part of this whole train of thought is that the insufficient is defined by the individual. Right. There's no absolute-ness to it at all. It's this trap appears anytime that you see an insufficiency in yourself by your own values, by your own whatever you care about. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Oh, man. I can think of so many examples of these things in my life now. Well, two other examples that immediately came to mind that also have this, this same insufficiency and shield pairing to them. One of them was me spending most of my life being quite strictly vegetarian, where the insufficiency was like, I'm a picky eater and I'm ashamed of that. And the shield is, I, I care about the environment and ethical treatment of animals and, and don't believe that people should consistently reap the rewards of acts they are not willing themselves to perform. All of which I still believe, but that doesn't mean that the insufficiency isn't real as well and that it, it does not need addressing, which is why part of why I've stopped being a strict vegetarian. I think at some point I might venture back into being strictly vegetarian, but I can only really do that when I really believe that insufficiency is gone so that I believe that I am truly acting out of higher moral guidance rather than out of fear. And then another one was fear of driving, where part of me used to be in some ways proud of that. Like I, I was really afraid of hurting other people and was like proud of the kind of consideration that came from that. But really that was a shield for fear, for like fear of my own poor judgment or like my own inability to to handle stress. So for each of these, the thing that was part of the shield was, was true, but it was being used to justify something was not the real justification for those things. Right. Yeah. I think that's the, also why it's dangerous because the shield is legit. It, these are legit thoughts. Yeah. That's what makes it possible for you to really believe in them, buy in them, and then just hide behind them and not face the music. Yeah. Whoa. Oh. Wild. Yeah. yeah. Cool. This has helped me also refine my own thoughts around this. Yeah, this well. is great. Like, I really like mental models of things generally. And this gives me another one of my toolkit. And I'm sure that I'm going to see this crop up all the time. All the time. This is another one of those way easier said than oh, done yes. kind of things. <laughs> yeah, let's just also recognize that. The other lens to view this is that it, arrogance is also like a defensive adaptation mm-hmm. that's also beautiful in a way. Mm-hmm. It's not good for you net-net in the long run, but it's also neat that the reason why this happens in the first place is because you want to protect yourself from potential pain, from recognizing this gap and recognizing your own insufficiency. That hurts when you have this perception of yourself and you think you're high and mighty and life comes along as it does, slaps you with some reality and that hurts. So yeah, I also just want to recognize that it's very human 
and there's a natural tendency towards it. So, so, so important in the long run for you and everyone else around you to face up to it and having, finding the courage essentially to see the insufficiencies for what they are mm. and then try to address them. Oh, yeah. I love learning with mental models from you, Kevin. This is great. Thank you. Yeah. Well, cool. Do you want to call it here? Yeah. Okay. Let's, uh, let's do the checkout. Yeah. Check in on intentions and then type check. Okay. So on intentions, I am happy with how much I encourage you to speak instead. And I think that I really hope this is true, that you took more airtime than I did. And I'm, I think it's true. I rambled. Yeah. You saved me from rambling. <laughs> a little bit. So yeah, that definitely happened. Yeah. So I hope that's true. So I think I, I did okay on that front. I definitely did not lead as much with heart and body as I wanted to. I think this topic made that particularly difficult. Yeah, it was incredibly... It was super cerebral. Yeah. Man, it's hard to... It's hard for me to get into my feels in conversation. Okay, I think this is because whenever we're picking topics, we just lean towards the ones that are like, oh, this is going to be like thinking from the head. We're good at thinking yeah, from the head. Oh, Let's think from the head. Oh, Choose a topic next time that lends itself to just being sad boys or something. <laughs> yeah. A feelings topic. Yeah. Well, yeah. How do you feel about the intentions you set and how they panned out? For disclosing emotions, I think I did not a great job, but also very few instances to do it with this topic yeah. so yeah we gotta pick better topics we definitely chose topic and then intentions correct whereas we should try the other way around this so. whole section we need to mostly edit out i think this is interesting to us so it's gonna be boring as hell to everyone else. <laughs> i don't know about that actually i think this is cool we'll see yeah. in other podcasts i do occasionally hear the meta get left in where they'll be like edit uh -huh. this out and the other person will say no, no, leave it in, leave it in, leave it in. when they yeah, have exactly. a third party editor doing it <laughs> yeah we'll see yeah, it might be a, an interesting test. Although I don't know how we would test it. Like, how do we get feedback on whether or not this is interesting or not? The most literal way is we ask our friends to listen to it and ask them, was this portion interesting? Yeah, but they like us. That's different. Yeah, I have friends that I trust to be ruthless enough. Okay. I just think it'll be way easier for them to find it interesting because oh, revealing see, the see, inner workings of how we think and they like us as I humans. See, Therefore, see, it's interesting to them. You're not afraid of them lying. You're afraid of them being unusually interested. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. All right. And then energy level and emotion, where are you at? Yeah, temp check. I'm, I think physically same, six to seven, but emotional energy has definitely picked up to like, maybe to match. I think before I was like, Six to seven physical, four to five emotional. I'm probably like solid six and a half for both now. That's not what you said at all at the beginning. Wait, I really? Think you said five or six physical and like seven or eight emotional. Oh, I forgot my numbers. Yeah. But basically, emotional has gone up by an increment or nice. two. Glad to hear it. And I haven't slept yet, so I have not recovered any physical energy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. My emotion yeah, elation mm -hmm. comes to mind. I'm always very happy and energized when we make like new discoveries yeah. or ref refine the thinking it's a little scary to bring like half-formed thoughts like this where i didn't really prepare all that much yeah it's just some odd ideas and thoughts from doing readings and watching videos and stuff mm. it's always fun it's scary and fun to come with that and then have it be discussion and then we come away from it with a more refined and clear articulation yeah. and understanding of it. That's where this elation comes from. Yeah, I really like the collaborative mental model refining process. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? I think emotionally, I'm 
slightly higher, maybe seven, seven and a half. And then physical, I definitely have gone down. I'm like a four. There definitely are parts now where I can notice that my attention is just drifting in the conversation and I'm zoning out occasionally. And it's not because I'm bored. It's because I'm tired. Yeah. That's reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's good to share these things. Otherwise, you fall into the trap of seeing someone yawn and they're like, oh, am I being really boring right now? Yeah. Cool. Okay. Until next time. Until next time. Peace. Peace. If you enjoyed this conversation, please help us by leaving a rating on your favorite podcast app. We would really appreciate it because it helps us grow and lets others find the show. When we're not podcasting, Kevin also makes YouTube videos. And Jamie has a blog. You can find links to these in the episode description. The intro music you heard in this episode was made by Harry Dye. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in two weeks.